Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, Lore Party listeners. Welcome to a very special episode of Lore Party. You may have noticed something a little bit different. There's an extra digit at the end of this episode, because we've officially crossed 100 episodes here at Lore Party. Huge yeah. milestone for us. Right. Yeah. 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 And the voices you're hearing back there are all of, well, most of the Lore Party team. Some of the flaky ones didn't make it, so. Hey. Whoa. <laughs> Anybody not here is bad. shade. <laughs> yeah, the ones that are, are not here, um, I'll be DMing privately. Perfect. Oh Dude, God. I'm loving the sound effects, Kevin. <laughs> oh my God. So you've already probably heard many of these voices that you're hearing now, but let's do a quick round of introductions for anyone who doesn't know who all of us are. I'm Abu. I'm Neil. I'm Connor. I'm Kevin. I'm Lawrence. I'm Leo. Nice. Well, we're all gathered here today for a pretty spectacular episode, I hope, guys. Um, so what we did, here's the premise of today's episode. A little more casual than our normal episodes, definitely way less scripted. Uh, what we did is we made a giant list of 100 story-focused games that we here at Lore Party all recommend and love and think everyone should play. So we're going to try and go down through that list and cover as much of it as we can in the next hour. Let's jump into this first batch of games. So first up on the list, we have games one through five. We got God of War. Oh, I also want to mention... These games are in no particular order. We didn't rank them by best to worst. We just made a giant 100 game list. So the first five here, we got God of War. That's God of War from 2018. Last of Us, Witcher 1, Witcher 2, and Witcher 3, which are all personally games that I would recommend highly. I love all of those. I uh, Problem for me is I don't have a PlayStation, so I haven't played Last of Us or God of War, but I have watched them. And I do enjoy them. Well, you can still get a sense for their story and like the themes and the characters pretty well. I, I, it doesn't have the impact of the gameplay backing it up, but the story can still come across when you just watch it. Yeah. You know, are we starting with God of War or can I just jump in? A- any of the, yeah, any of those first five? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I just finished playing The Last of Us for the second time. And actually, Leo and I were working on a Last of Us episode. Amazing game absolute masterpiece in like every sense like great storytelling like just i don't know nice hidden secrets um it's emotion it's an emotional roller coaster it's just fantastic i would say arguably last of us is one of the best games just period like objectively it's one of the best games and subjectively it's one of my favorite games of all time the storytelling like um, to Connor's point, like uh, you were saying this, Connor, right? Like you can get an idea of the story just by watching. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I watched that. There's a movie version of Last of Us you can watch, which is like six and a half hours long. And I was watching it in preparation for uh, my episode with Lawrence. And it holds up. It's like really good <laughs> TV, basically. Mm-hmm. It's just how good the story is. I don't even have to have my hands on a controller to enjoy the world and the characters and the voice acting and all of that. Right, and that's kind of the Naughty Dog trait, right? Their games are so yeah. cinematic, they just play out like movies. Movies with great yeah. gameplay in between. Yeah, that's so true. On, on the Witcher point, I, I, I have to agree, these are really story-rich games that really deliver such a compelling narrative to the players. Like, I think from 1 to 2 to 3, though, you've seen kind of an evolution uh, in the Witcher gameplay. Yeah. Like, every, like, Going I, back I think to play would one agree feels that, impossible. Yeah, going back to one, maybe even two, it can be a little rough. They haven't aged that well. <laughs> but the, the through line, though, consistently, they've always delivered a really strong uh, character-driven story, and it's only gotten better with each installment. I, think. I, own, I own all three Witchers, and I've only played about like maybe four hours into Witcher 1. Because I kind of wanted to get the progression story through it, but everybody keeps telling me I can jump into Witcher 3 and not care about the other two. And that's I, what I did. I, 
see i don't know can i do that guys like I, absolutely i think you absolutely can yeah in fact okay. i think you probably should because I, I honestly think playing two or three first will make you want to go back and play one because you play one for the story and the world and the characters and to like go back mm-hmm. and get the background you don't really like you guys are saying play it for the gameplay because it, the gameplay doesn't really hold up and the graphics especially don't hold up like it's oh, an, no, it, it's, it's an age-old no. engine it looks like ass there's no arguing that <laughs> and like it, you really have to play it just for the story and you have to overlook some of the really bad gameplay elements of it in my opinion but the story just holds up so well it's a witcher story um, but yeah just jump into three too. dude just i'm just put pers- it out there the books are really good too I'm personally just waiting for the Netflix adaptation, and then if it's yeah. cool, I'll go back and play the games because, like, not only have I not read a Witcher book, I don't know jack shizzle about any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotta... I'm I'm super stoked for the the Netflix series. Brett, so, yeah. who's one of the one of the hosts here on Lore Party, he and I have done a lot of Witcher episodes, and we're stoked. We're probably honestly on on the show here. Brett and I are going to do like episode by episode breakdowns when the series finally drops in the fall. Very excited for that. I will share that I I was given The Witcher 3 and I had never played the first two. And I can tell, I mean, it definitely deserves to be on this list because the story is so rich and the characters and the plot and the world building is so profound and big. I actually couldn't play the game because I was so... Like, I feel like I'm almost a completionist at times and I wanted to know all of the backstories and I wanted to know about the characters and I didn't know anything. I was like, uh, who's going where and why? And uh, am I supposed to know that yet? Or, and my friend was like, calm down and just enjoy the game. And I couldn't. So I think it's an incredible game series. And I don't mean to say that I'm like, you know, poo-pooing on it, but ultimately I had, I had kind of a mixed experience jumping into three with no experience of the world. So maybe reading the books or is, is there a a video that you could watch that like summarizes what you need to know? I can see how it would be overwhelming, but yeah, there are some primers on, I think I saw, I want, I saw one on YouTube. It's like what you need to know about the Witcher world before you play wild hunt. Yeah. I mean, it's Uh, 2019. There's gotta be. No, they're, yeah, I've seen them. They're out there. (laughs) Man, Uh, remember a time when games were not this complicated to play. Well, when Wait. games weren't all based on Polish folklore novels, and that was the case, yeah, but Witcher's a bit of a different case. <laughs> well, Leo, question. You just said um, poo-poo uh, about, a game, <laughs> about a game that's super violent and possibly fairly graphic. Sure. I mean, it's a, it's a great game regardless. The consensus here is that are it's you, a great game. And are that you shaming my it. vocabulary? <laughs> Broaded your horizons. <laughs> Did anybody? I don't think any any of you played God of War twenty from twenty eighteen. I think just oh, me yeah, and I Bruce. Did. No, I did. I I thought. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I thought this was just going to be general God of War. So I, I was just really going to be ready with some... on that list. Uh, the new God of War reboot was one of the. It's definitely one of my favorite games of all time. It's it's. Sure. I think to uh, to the point earlier about the Last of Us being just an objectively perfect game i think god of war you could make a case for that being a nearly objectively flawless game as well in my opinion i agree graphics music writing voice acting the, the story, mechanics mechanics the, the, yeah even just like the mechanics yeah. of the gameplay that was what blew me away about the early god of war games is that even though i didn't necessarily care a lot about the world the gameplay was fun like they managed to make it really fun to like take out some big baddies mm-hmm. you know like it was just a fun crazy game uh didn't you so, use some didn't you use someone's body as a doorstop in one of the god of war games yeah you slammed helios's head in a no no it was perseus or no theseus actually <laughs> oh no, yeah you kill theseus by slamming a door on his head over and over yeah uh, i bad. think a lot of different things happen with a lot of different body parts throughout the god of war head screwed <laughs> I off think, yeah i think a lot of poo poo my favorite <laughs> part about the god of war series was finding out that the reason why you know, Kratos was always so damn ashy was because the ashes of his family were affixed to his skin. They're literal like, ashes. Yeah. Because that's, that's yeah. Yeah. I was always like, why the fuck is this guy so gray? He doesn't but, just yeah. need lotion. He literally yeah. has ashes bonded to his body. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. He might like also this, need lotion. Like that's I mean, probably not everyone all. does. It's like this new dude needs some gold bond to like rub on his elbows, but no, it's just his family. So moisturizing yeah. is important, guys. Remember that. Yeah, yeah I don't know how well gold bond is going to work on the ashes of your dead daughter and wife, but 
that could be part of their marketing. Who knows? <laughs> Good old a lot of olive oil. Kratos <laughs> tested and approved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next batch of games. Uh, so the next, uh, let's see, one, two, let's do the next five here. So three of the five are just the Uncharted series. Uncharted 2, 3, and 4. Notably, Uncharted 1 is not on the list. Should be. And then followed by Bastion and Divinity Original Sin 2. I, I will just go ahead and assume that Uncharted One can be lumped in with the, those four or those three. Um, All right, I, I, I want to like, hear. I, I want to hear your defense of Uncharted One. Yeah, oh, sure. Going rogue. You're going rogue. <laughs> I, man. I don't see how this is controversial. Because <laughs> I mean, in an age where Tomb Raider was bad, we had a game that was a good Tomb Raider. Like Uncharted One ruled. The Uncharted list. One was it was a little less serious. Here's what I'll say. I think the transition from Uncharted One to Uncharted Two, you saw the story get a little bit more high stakes it felt a little more serious felt more impactful but that doesn't take away from the fact that uncharted one had still a solid character driven adventure behind it it wasn't just you were just some dude climbing stuff and shooting guys in the face you were like an actual guy with an actual life and there was it was you know a bit of you know a bit of a b style adventure movie to it but it was still a fun romp you know there's a story to it um i guess it did get more serious and more character driven later in the series but I think Uncharted 1 deserves to be on a list as well. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, full transparency, I'm the one that wrote the Uncharted games on here, and I'm the one that skipped one. Uh, <laughs> primarily, be- <laughs> primarily because I haven't played it. And then, oh, well, the, so uh, that's a big reason. But also, secondarily, I've never really wanted to play it because, I don't know, it, it critically, it, it wasn't a massive success, right? Like many people didn't expect it to ever get a sequel or to ever take off from what I understand. I might have the wrong impression, but from what I hear, the popular opinion is that uncharted two improved uncharted one in almost every way possible. And like really solidified, like naughty dog is a good developer, you know, that's yeah. definitely the case. I think uncharted two really put the series on the map, but uncharted one, yeah, it was kind of a modest success. I guess you could call it. It was, it didn't make waves, but it did well enough to get a sequel. Right. We should mention like Bastion being just an incredible god. game. It oh my us. god! Did someone hear that? Bastion? That game is like it's it's beautiful to look at, just hands down, just beautiful to look at. But yeah, also, like it's such an interesting story. Like I still haven't beaten it, but it's it just has it has all these weird elements of mystery and like not like I, it's like it, it's it's very anime esque where like you don't know a lot and then just you really get like lore dumps like on you right. all the time like yeah you know and, and it completely changes your view on the game you're like the world of the game you're playing and you're like ooh okay so that actually means that and it it's it, i think it's really good storytelling and you want to know like my favorite thing about the bastion like you know launching super giant games into like this like main stage was the fact that like the 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 gaming experience comes from the fact that they're they're doing all of this stuff in-house so like the the visuals they have a painter on staff that does like the uh like scenery designs for their video games and then they've got uh i can't remember what this guy's name is but he's like their in-house musician and he writes all the music for the games and stuff and like electronically composes it so they like they're really like small ragtag like video game production company, but they do so well because of it. Yeah, like, and I one thing I think was really impressive about the how the story was delivered in Bastion was because it was kind of so much was done with so little. It's almost like a minimalist because like that that much world building, that much background, and that much narrative is delivered with just one voiced narrator, and the rest is kind of like through visual clues and kind of body language. And there's an ending scene. I, I'm going to try not to spoil it, but there's like bad guys shooting at you and they stop. And just that simple detail is like delivered so visually well. And it says so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's just beautiful. Like it's, yeah, it's all I know carried exactly off. What scene you're talking about. So well, so yeah. Good. Yeah. That one, I mean, that shouts one to the narrator too, you know, like the narrator carried the Such story. Such a good voice. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like we have, you know, we have some voice actors in this, you know, discussion right now and I'm sure you guys can vouch for like how incredible of a job this guy did. He is my hero, for sure. All right, let's move on to our next batch of games. So next up we got next up we got Detroit Become Human, Gris, Life is Strange, 
Transistor. You know, every batch of five I hear, I think I just hate video games. Man, (laughs) don't forget forget Uh, the fifth one, Oxenfree. Oxenfree, I'm sorry, yeah. So to reiterate that, we got Detroit Become Human, Gris or Grease, whatever, Life is Strange, Transistor, Oxenfree. Uh, I mean, I played a little bit of Gris, Grease, um, and it's actually like the music. Oh my God, the music, it's beautiful. I have it on my phone on uh, Spotify. Um, and it tells an interesting story of, um, wasn't it like depression? Right. I think, I think it's like a young woman's battle with anxiety and depression and sadness, how she like overcomes it. It's like a visualization yeah. of her emotions. Yeah. And like, just like the color changes and the music as you progress through this world, it's really beautiful. Like I haven't beat the game, but it is a very beautiful game. And I'd recommend it for anybody who like, wants some light and easy, but also something that you can kind of immerse yourself in. Yeah. It's been on my wish list forever and it just, you know, I'm real cheap and it's just not hitting my barrier to pull the trigger. You know, it needs, it's like always 20% off and I need it to be 30. You want me to slide you a 20? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To be fair, it's a really cheap, cheap game comparatively. I think it's like 15 or $16. It is cheap and, it's cheap in price, but premium in quality. And then hey. we buy day one $60 Nintendo games. So we wait for anything that can have a sale to have a sale. <laughs> so um, any thoughts on... We, we've already gushed about Supergiant games. Um, any thoughts on Transistor? Yes. Freaking fantastic. <laughs> I, it, yeah. was, it was great. I remember when it was announced at E3 because it was like right after I had played uh, the Bastion again. And I remember them coming out to like sony's e3 and announcing that this game was coming out and i like flipped shit because it just it was it was great they had like a really interesting trailer the music was great and then the premise for that game music's so good yeah i waited for that like soundtrack to be released i like followed their uh, musician on twitter and everything like it was just so good I never got around to beating Transistor. I I think the problem for me was I didn't really engage with the combat system the way I did with Bastion. I thought Bastion's was way more intuitive and Transistor's I just couldn't really get my head around. But the time I did spend with Transistor, I I really loved everything about the atmosphere and the art style. It was such a, just an entrancing game on those aspects, but I just couldn't stick with it just on a, you know, bit by bit playing it basis. So I never actually finished it, but it's a very it's a really solid and very special and unique game for sure yeah the boss battles were started to get a little annoying yeah that's what i thought okay cool let's move on to the the next batch i want to try and get through as many as we can uh oh somebody highlighted in our little notes section here for me thank you so much all right your boy kevin thank you kevin all right so our next batch here is near automata metroid fusion shadow of the colossus Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, and Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. There's a lot of big hitters on that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump on that right away. Breath of the Wild is amazing. It is amazing. I yeah. never really played a Zelda game like by myself. It was always with friends or like I was at a buddy's house or something. And a buddy, I got my Switch and a buddy lent me Breath of the Wild and I didn't beat it because there was so much to do. Uh, but I just it was awesome. I mean, it's beautiful to look at. The music is great. The way it explains stuff in the beginning. So like, for instance, I never played a Zelda game like solo. So I didn't know a lot about Zelda. But like in the beginning of the game, like they're just like, here you go. Here's the situation. Here's what's going on. Here's a little bit of history. There you go. And I, it, it, it was fine. It was perfect. I was like, cool. Okay, I got this. And I just, the way I played it, I mean, it was cool to be able to do whatever you want you know, being not not having played any of them, it was kind of like I was wary of side quests because I was like, I just want to know what the actual hell is going on. But every side quest had like a little bit of lore. And I was like, oh, OK, that's what that is. Cool. Like, I just yeah. Liked it. I mean, the Good. funny thing is being someone who's played like nearly every Zelda game. That's the same thing. I appreciate it. The non uh, gameplay like every Zelda is pretty much you can't do X, Y, Z thing until you've done you know this stuff and this stuff like this one you don't really have to do anything you can go straight to the final boss and there's a chance you could defeat it and normally with legends of legend of zelda they don't completely lay your quest out for you 
like they did in this one because this one it was right at the beginning they're like this is what happened um this is what you need to do and then you could if you wanted to spend the rest of the game filling in the gaps i just don't think that game should be on this list though because it's so lacking in actual story elements yeah that's what i was thinking because i mean the whole thing is just like okay here's what you need to do go and then you just like all the lore is basically just like, oh, the Guardians were rampaging 100 years ago. Shit. Like, that's really all. The world building, sure. Like, talking to the NPCs doing the side quests, absolutely. Like, it makes it feel much more rich and lively than any other Zelda game. But, um, man, the whole on. story is really just in, like, the photos you collect. Not really. Let me debate that. Oh, boy. <laughs> you get the, uh, <laughs> I'm coming in hot, so look it out. on. Uh, because when you get the memories back and you learn about the champions, I think that like there might not be so much lore that's like centered around Link specifically. Right. Yeah. But the world itself, like there are stories and there there's lore around each of the champions that pilot the uh, different guardians. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like lore about the uh, like Sheikah tribe, the Yiga tribe, um, the like the technology that was used there's i mean there's there's lore about like Princess i think my problem Zelda's with it all the lore is very self-contained in the context of 100 years when these guardians were walking around on all, all their buildings and lighting everything on fire like I, I just didn't feel like you got a lot of history and lore as like hyrule and these nations not nations but these uh tribes more or less well i mean legend of zelda normally goes on the uh it, it like repeats itself so yeah that's that, well that's the question i had is as somebody so i'm with kevin here i've never played a zelda game breath of the wild was the first game i ever played i agree that it's an incredible entry point for somebody who's new to it because link has amnesia and so you're just like okay cool i also have amnesia i don't know what happened before any of this so i think i think it's an excellent entry point but my question is did previous Zelda games also focus on what Neil is saying with world building or did they have like actual plots that you played through? So I'm going, so I tried going back through uh, Twilight Princess and it's just like, we're going to ram the story down your throat and mm. tell you about the world and we're going to do it at our pace that we want. But then you go and play something like the Wind Waker where it eases off of that. It's still very lin- linear. They're still, you know, on their set path telling you what's up, but you can still explore. And then in the different islands you go to and people you interact with, you get the world building that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And I, I tried playing Ocarina of Time again last night. And for the first time ever, like I just ripped through the first dungeon and it just brought me zero joy whatsoever because I'm just like, why can't I just go do what I want? Like, I don't care about the story right now because I already know the story and that's a big problem in replaying these single player story driven games is that nothing new or exciting is ever going to happen and it's going to be the same all the time and it's on you to branch out and find these little things which is obviously what we like to do here at Lore Party. Um, I don't know, that amazing game, I don't think it should be on this list. I think if any Zelda game deserves to be on this list and I failed to mention this when you had asked, uh, would be Majora's Mask because yes. that game yes. is centered yeah, around the I'd world agree. building and talking to the NPCs. You have to do that to get any enjoyment out of it. Yeah. Yeah, because if you skip that, it is a very confusing fucking game. <laughs> that game is dark, too. So yeah. Good. Yeah, what well, was a theory about it being like about the different stages of like death or something? Grieving, the grieving, grieving process. Was, yeah, like yeah. that was a, was a good one. I don't know why I didn't make it on the list. <laughs> So so speaking of Shadow of the Colossus, actually, Leo, you brought it up earlier. Somebody should sell me on it because I've never played it. And I don't know if I'm like that interested. In you want to go fight giant shit and have a crazy twist happen? This is the <laughs> game for you. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> like, Shadow of the Colossus is on my list of personal. Like, again, I, I don't know that the game could really be improved in a lot of ways. I think it's wow. my personal opinion. I, I agree. It's, it's so good and it achieves what it seeks to achieve perfectly like it's it might not be your cup of tea but it's perfectly brewed you know yeah huh. I, it's one of my I like that was a great it's, analogy damn leo it's yeah. one of the most inventive I want a cup and, of coffee <laughs> it's one of the most inventive and original and artful games ever made I, I believe um honestly though if you haven't played it yet i question whether or not it's like worth it to go back and play it just because like it's kind of like 
it it had to be appreciated at the time it came out because it was so original and different from what was out there when it came out. Uh, I just remember it being unlike anything I'd played before then. It was uh, the atmosphere was just spot on and unforgettable, I and th- it's just it's just so well, cool. I think the I think for the orchestration, the actual fights and the sort of nature of the fights, I think those things will stand the test of time. So. If anybody listening hasn't played Shadow of the Colossus, you can actually get through it pretty quickly. Like it's not this huge sprawling game. That's I'll true. also I'll also warn you if you don't know a lot about the game, there isn't a lot of plot initially. There's a lot that is happening that you are not told about until very late in the game. And it kind of survives as a great experience from this sort of like gen like I felt like I was in the midst of the best directed movie often, where I'm like being thrown about on these giant monsters that I'm trying to take down. And I've never felt more triumphant and cinematic as a player playing a game that I did playing that game, even with the graphics as they were, you know, not being the most breathtaking graphics in the world. They, All right, they I'm worked. sold. Not to undercut them, but it really makes you feel like you're in the shadow of the Colossus. All righty. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, guys, but we'll be right back and we'll keep making our way down this list. Hey guys, it's Abu again, and I wanted to take a minute to just tell you about our friends over at Toast. So Toast is a company that makes these custom, handcrafted, gorgeous covers for your smartphone or your tablet, or even your gaming device. In celebration of our 100th episode, they sent me a custom-made Switch cover And to top it off, they engraved the Lore Party logo on it. It's beautiful. You can check out the photos on our social media on Instagram and Twitter. But if you're interested, go to Toastmade.com and see what they have to offer. Get yourself a new cover. All right, so our next batch here, again, Supergiant Games is going to come up again but Pyre is on this list. I know for a fact that Caleb put it on the list because he has bugged me since day one of Lord Party to do a Pyre episode, but I've yet to beat it. We got Pyre. We got What Remains of Edith Finch, Dishonored 1 and Dishonored 2, and Metroid 2. Let's talk Dishonored because that's one we haven't touched on. So I played Dishonored 1. I played maybe a quarter of it. Uh, I just kind of lost interest um it felt very yeah i don't know it felt very bioshocky and i just kind of like i'm playing it and i just was like i'm not really in the mood for this right now like i don't i I have not played it so can someone give me a brief summary brief that's a real tough summary to give it's like a (laughs) think of a steampunk world but instead of steam everything's run on whale oil okay and you're a guy who sneaks around really well and you have a knife and you were accused of doing something bad, but you didn't. And you escape from prison to clear your name by killing people. Yeah, was, okay. Or, or not killing people. You can go through the entire game without yeah, killing. There's a morality that's a very system. good point. Yeah, there's like a pacifist run you can do. And that's honestly, I will say I really enjoyed both games, but honestly, the story isn't like the, the strong suit of either one. Right. There's, it's a good story. It's there if you want it. But the real strength of those games is the gameplay options you have available to you. The world building is really good. I think the like the setting is really cool and original. But the point to point story isn't honestly that strong in either game. It's okay. a it's a poor man's Bioshock. A little bit. <laughs> Damn, I, I would actually sort of disagree. So I never played Dishonored two, but Dishonored one I like really loved, and not I agree with Connor that the gameplay is, is the selling point of Dishonored because right. the, the, the game mechanics, you're basically an assassin who who has special powers from, I think, a guy named Corvus. I forget exactly, but... No, you are Corvus. The guy who gives you the powers is called the Outsider. Gotcha, right. So you, you have these special powers and you're an assassin and you're trying to clear your name by killing various people in the story. And that that essentially is the basic skeleton plot, but... Uh, the world building is what attracted me. Like I was fascinated with this world that ran on whale oil and like the, everything in the game was sort of structured around this weird society 
that, like Connor, you said, what isn't exactly like steampunk, but shared a lot of the same aspects of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a world that you either love or you hate, depending on the setting. Uh, but then the gameplay is what's going to keep you coming back to Dishonored. I don't. I agree that the story beats themselves are probably not original enough to warrant any sort of <laughs> awards. That's what I liked about them. They're just fun worlds to be in and play in. That's that's what it was for me. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's let's move on to the next batch then. Uh, I'm going to love this batch. Oh, here's, my, here, here's my question about it. Do you want to include all three together in one or would you rather separate them? I think let's separate them because I think there's some discussion to be had on their oh, own merits. Okay. okay. No, that's 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 just a boo bias. Mash them down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Let, let's make this let's let's make this batch a little bit bigger. So this next batch is Mass Effect one, two, and three. I obviously wrote those. Observer, her story, Overwatch, Stardew Valley, and Undertale slash Delta Rune. Okay, so I'm skipping Mass Effect completely. <laughs> going we'll come back straight. To it, I promise. In, I'm going straight into the star. Do um, which you were not a believer in for a long time. Let's not skip was, over that fact. I was not a believer in Stardew until I had to uh, travel, and I was like, "Screw it! I'll buy this game and play it on my Switch." And then I got hooked. I don't necessarily. This is gonna sound. You might disagree, but. I kind of feel the same way that everybody felt about Breath of the Wild for Stardew Valley. I disagree. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I mean, okay, so I'm biased. Abu and I like did an episode, again, shameless plug, we did episodes on Stardew Valley, and the brilliance of it is how it actually has this crazy plot that you... I, I, I will concede again that you don't, you're not forced to like engage with it necessarily, but it's there and it's so much more flushed out than it needed to be for effectively a farming simulator. Game. Yeah. But that's why I also really, really like this game. If I was going off of the same reasons that we were like breath of the wild might not be on there, then I could be like, eh, maybe Stardew Valley. But like, I think it's a fantastic game. I mean, there's so many different ways of playing this damn game. Like, farm with friends you can farm by yourself you could be completely anti-social and just have like a banging ass cranberry farm with fish or you could just make friends with all the townsfolk and like just mine for resources and never do any actual farming like right. you, you're completely in control of your own destiny and i also really appreciate the premise of uh, quitting your dead-end desk job in corporate america working for the man uh, that out. speaks to my soul right on. right and then coming out here and making like millions of dollars selling crops, like <laughs> farming, like, the most lucrative of professions. <laughs> like hell, uh, I boo. I keep putting those pictures of my girlfriend's farm and how much money she makes every freaking day. It's so nuts. Like yeah. everybody can can uh, have like their own farm, and I think there's like the little small baked in pieces, like the farm that we had together where we got the mega melon. Right, right. So, so random. Like it just there are just a lot of like goodies in that game, and they appear when they should appear. Yeah, th there's not enough good things I could say about Stardew Valley. Th this entire hundredth episode could have just been me gushing about Stardew Valley with Leo and Lawrence. But uh, what I what I will say is I actually love that we keep coming back to this discussion over and over again of plot versus world building because I think that's two very different approaches to storytelling right and like video games will follow distinct paths whether it's we want to invest in our world and that's how we you know convince you to continue playing and become attached to this game and the people in it or we're going to have this like incredible story with writing and story beats from start to finish something like last of us that still does the world building but your the story itself could stand on its own without much of the expanded lore and world building uh, and I love that we, we we keep coming back to this discussion slash debate about whether a game deserves to be on this list or not, depending on which route it takes. Because I think both are very valid routes to go in telling a story. Because um, video games are so experiential, right? Like, they're not a passive medium where, like, imagine watching a movie that was Breath of the Wild, where you didn't get to actually interact with it and play the game you just sat there and watched link i mean isn't that a lot of like mainstream action movies where you have like character big antagonist set up and then you're just basically watching the character get the and it's like 
the quality of the writing and the scripts and like the dramatic beats just don't matter at all. Right. You know? Right. But, but I think it makes up for like the lack of experience in world building with the quality of the writing and dramatic beats and the, and the tension, uh, like a movie like Die Hard is going to build the tension with its action with it, with, um, you know, maybe not its writing so much, but it, it, there's a, there's a forward momentum to the plot that, something like Zelda or Stardew Valley doesn't necessarily have, you know, like Stardew gives you a setup. It tells you, Hey, you left your corporate gig. You got a farm, go farm in this small town. And then you build out the story from there and you choose which little tiny, tiny adventures and story beats to dig into and explore further as you build out your farm. So I think that's, that's two two different approaches to storytelling and games. And it, it, I really like that we keep coming back to that discussion. Like, that's what we're all, all about here on Lore Party. You know what I find really interesting about every game on this list, aside from Observer because I and Her Story, I haven't played those, but all the other games on this list, including Stardew Valley, are all games that I've played on suggestions of friends or on, like, some sort... Like, for instance, Donkey made a video on Undertale, and I was like, that looks awesome. I'm going to go get that. And, like, you know, same with Mass Effect and Stardew Valley and Overwatch. All it was, like, friends of or some some other influencer being like, hey, you got to check this game out. Like, I would have never played it on my own. Right. Well, a lot of these are like indie titles too that got big, right? Like Stardew Valley made by one guy. Yeah. Yeah. I also just feel like like a lot of these games have floated around our uh, between our group at different times. Right. Somebody mm-hmm. has suggested some of these. So like, tell me, you know, so, well, Undertale. You, Kevin, Kevin, you brought up under, yeah, I was, I wanted to segue to Undertale. Because I need you guys to explain to me what Undertale is. Undertale Please. is basically this crazy acid trip that you'll have. And it's like you're going underground and you're fighting monsters, but they're not really all that bad. And you're just trying to get home. But then you realize, oh shit, there's another monster that's been pulling the strings all along. I should take that guy out. And you basically like learn about the fact that not everything is so black and white and don't judge a book by its cover. Um, what, what's like the setup? So there's a lot of branching paths. There's so in much it, stuff in what in you this can game. do. Um, the whole idea is that it's an RPG that is constantly trying to uh, subvert the expectations of the genre. So it's still like fight run equip weapons uh and like inspect basically like those are your options in a battle and nothing you do really ever seems to go the way that you plan it um everything is just weird and almost random but in a very controlled logical way where it always makes sense so it's always enjoyable um some of the fights uh you're basically in this little box controlling this little heart thing. And it now becomes this platformer or this bullet hell that you have to avoid. Like it's not actual turn-based RPG at its mm. core. Wow. I mean, it's also been on my, on my wish list for a long time. I, I've just never pulled the trigger and played it. Um, because it's not on sale yet. <laughs> no, it actually goes on sale <laughs> quite a bit. I just, when it goes on sale, other things also go on sale. And then, you know, you got to pick and choose. Uh, what about, uh, let me breeze through these next couple. Observer, Her Story, Overwatch. I don't know if any of us. Overwatch is terrible, and I dislike it a lot. I freaking hate Overwatch. I'm going to say that. And you know what's bad about it? Like, in, like, a group text that I have with some friends, like, we have one friend who is, like, a huge Overwatch fan, and he convinced us all to get it as a um, mm-hmm. substitute for playing Destiny. Yep, that was my friend. You got and bad friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh my god! And and so like we all bought it because sale, and we played it. And I'm like, this game is fucking terrible. But people who have been playing Overwatch, I I oh my god! I swear it's like they drank the Kool Aid and it just never left their system because they swear by it. They're like, this is the greatest game. It's so fun. Half the time, shit is just flying in your face at like a thousand miles per hour. You don't know what the fuck to do. There's some dumb ass objective that pops up halfway in the middle of a match. You can't pick the same character all the time if someone else picks it. Like, what is this game is trash. And then they just (laughs) they release a new character every now and then. And then it's just like, oh, here's some like lore dump. 
screw Overwatch. And you could tell him I said it. Dang it. I All can't right. join you wow. in hating Overwatch, but I can say that I've been ambivalent about it since it came out. Like, I've just, it's just never appealed to me. I've never had any interest in it. And I had friends who were like, dude, you should get Overwatch, play with us. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good, man. I'm <laughs> it's no. like, I like, wish that was the hype that Titanfall had when it came out. Yeah, yes. seriously. Yes. <clears throat> I mean, and like Overwatch has interesting stories. So like when Bruce and I did that episode about the Omnic crisis and I actually did some research on Overwatch, like the story they put behind it is is really good and they could do something with that. But yeah, instead, really they good, just, yeah. instead they have this, this trash multiplayer like battle royale nonsense. Well, I, I will say <laughs> that I, I don't hate Overwatch ne- nearly, nearly as much as you do, clearly. <laughs> Uh, I don't know that anyone could, but uh, I will say that I agree that the lore is especially interesting. So Bruce and Caleb are, and I think Bavia also are huge Overwatch fans here on the team, and They're they've done hate me. They, they've done a number of episodes on the lore, and just by like proxy of editing those episodes and um, listening to their discussions about it, like I've learned a lot about the lore that I had no idea existed, and I appreciate that Blizzard does that you know like companies could go the route of something like apex legends and just like release an arcade shooter and just not do anything with the story of it just be like hey here are some characters they're in an arena shoot each other so i appreciate that blizzard has gone that extra mile and they have an expertise right they have a background in world building and storytelling they created starcraft they created world of warcraft i mean they have built these massive worlds that people have invested heavily in and that they have expanded universes, books, comics, whatever. Yeah. Films. I mean, there's a world of Warcraft movie, but, and I appreciate they did that with overwatch. Um, like no matter how bad I am at the game and how little I enjoy the arcade arcade shooter gameplay of it. I appreciate the story, but let me just say this. And this is like non ranty. Um, when I compare it to something like destiny where, it's kind of same thing um, where not all of the lore is like upfront and in your face, but they, they still seem to sprinkle enough of it in there to keep you interested. I just think that, um, I don't know, a big, like a large portion of the hype from Overwatch just comes from the like esports side. Yeah, I, I have a hard time judging that, but I agree. I feel like the esports side dwarfs the people who love the lore. Right. Like, I think there are definitely big fans of the lore and d- eat up the the lore dumps and the new characters and the comic books every time blizzard releases them but there's a much larger group of overwatch people that couldn't give a shit about that and just right. like and play i think it. and i think maybe that's the reason why the game isn't appealing to me is just because like i don't think that they personally i don't think that they do enough for like the lore side as opposed to like the esports side but then again esports side probably makes them more money definitely Okay, so we're running low on time. I'm going to try and say very few things about Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. Because we've done so many episodes. Right, me and Kevin and Leo have done a ton of Mass Effect episodes. And I I would say it's (laughs) one of the lore party games that that we love here. And um, yeah, I mean, mean, they're incredible. They're these amazing sci-fi operas. I tell this story time and time again, but... Mass Effect 1 came out the same year that Halo 3 did. Halo 3 was massive, and I chose to get Mass Effect instead. And all of my friends got Halo 3, and I spent like a couple of months not playing Halo 3 with my friends because I wanted to play Mass Effect instead. Uh, It's been a hugely important game in my life. I love the story. I think Bioware was at their peak when they created Mass Effect 1 and 2, and even 3, like despite how it ended. Like, it ended in a very Game of Thrones-esque, like, what the fuck just happened fashion, but everything leading up to that point was just amazing. Like, everything I wanted from a sci-fi RPG video game. For me, I had played Mass Effect 1, like, a brief, like, hour of it at a buddy's house, or in, in my buddy's dorm, actually, and never touched it. And then I had, like, when Mass Effect 3 was coming out, like, I think two or three weeks beforehand, I probably said this in an episode, but basically, my buddies showed me the trailer for Mass Effect 3, they showed me all the trailers for all the Mass Effects, and I said, okay, I'll play that, and I binged Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2, all DLCs, except for, like, one of them, and then I got Mass Effect 3. And I finished Mass Effect 2 like 
an hour before I went and picked up Mass Effect 3. So I was in it to win it. Hell and yeah, let me man. tell you that whole entire story, like whatever about the ending, I chose the, the Beast Machines ending, whatever, the green one. But it was the journey was so amazing. So like it was like binging a TV show and like just getting super heavily into it. I just picture a red eyed Kevin. Oh, I didn't go to class. Don't tell my parents, but I did not go to class. Huddled in a corner in a dirty T-shirt. <laughs> Dude, the game does that. I, to I you. bathed. So yeah, to hear our more nuanced opinions about the game, please just listen to our episodes. That was just us gushing. Uh, the, the game, for all its greatness, does have its faults, and we we dive into that into the episodes. Um, okay, let's do this next batch of games. We're running low on time, um, but that's no big deal. Let's try and get through as many as we can. I do want to point out. You can check out the full list of 100 on our website. Just go to loreparty.com. It's going to be on there. It's going to be a blog post uh, if you want to check out the full list of the 100 games that we recommend that everyone play. And this list we're is definitely just, not going to make it through. Everyone put it in a little something. That's, that's the whole rhyme and reason to it. So don't yeah. get upset if there's anything included that shouldn't be or excluded that you wanted. Just. Right. Everyone on the team just made their contributions. So Here's the thing. If you see a game that we didn't talk about in this, hell, let us know and we'll make an episode on it. Yeah, tweet at us. All right, let's do this next batch. This will be an interesting batch, too. We got Banner Saga, Halo 1, 2, and 3, Bloodborne, Metro Last Light and Kingdom Hearts. Should we should we just get Halo out of the way? Halo yeah. 1 2 Halo and 3 is <laughs> great. Halo 1 was good. Halo 2 was phenomenal. Halo 3 not too shabby. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, if if you've ever played a shooter, you've played Halo. I mean, I mean, Halo I will say I like that was my replacement Goldeneye on the Nintendo 64. Ooh. That yeah, like, I mean, and, like, I started Halo with multiplayer, and, like, so that was my yeah, big same. thing. Like, it was so fun. And then when I actually played the story in Halo 1, like, that story, I feel like, does not get enough credit because, you know, you're on this, like, you know, unknown thing floating around in outer space fighting these aliens, and then all of a sudden you encounter the Flood. And, like, that whole first scene with the flood where you're like okay what the hell are these new things and then you realize they're just parasites that have taken over the bodies of your enemies and some of your friends that dude terrifying i remember i remember being like a young teenager and playing that flood mission and just being scared shitless yeah yeah, the flood are terrifying because they just lunge at you staying up staying up playing halo 2 with my cousins at like 2 Mm a.m and like getting our shit rocked on legendary trying to beat it but also being terrified of fighting the flood the whole time i remember my older cousin was stuck on the library level in halo one and i actually beat it for him and that's when i knew i was a first person shooter prodigy (laughs) (laughs) the halo series i think is just so strong as like a leading voice in creating just a classic sci-fi but i think for me i i have more I, I get more value out of the the wider universe of it, like the lore, yeah. the lore that yeah. all the books have established. There's a lot of really fun topics there that I really like getting into, and you can get into them with me when in my upcoming Halo episode. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Yes, a little plug. Hey. This hundredth episode is just like everyone plug your shit for an hour. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for sure, I'm I'm really excited for Connor's upcoming Halo episodes. Uh, there's so much to dig into. I agree that I loved the halo games and i think they're iconic and important in the larger sort of video game canon and video game history but i got so much more out of the books and out of the comics and out of the extended universe than i did from the core games because the world is huge and the history is massive and the games follow master chief and that's great but he's not the most expressive of characters <laughs> oh dear god did you just see the recent trailer when he's like hey uh, we can finally go home status report status like, report like fuck right <laughs> right like, i don't know if the, you guys the, have ever seen the me. books just flesh both his character out but many of the other characters out so much more as well mm-hmm. so i got I a lot of reading the books have ever watched the an- the halo anime stuff oh boy yeah, is dude. that good yeah yeah the anime is good too 
let, let's wrap up. And I wanted to give every person a quick 30 seconds to a minute to shout out a game that's either on the list that we haven't gotten to. We only got it through about the first, what, like 40, 40 ish, 42 um, on the list. So there's quite a bit left over that we didn't touch on. Everyone's going to have one minute to shout out a game that we didn't get to on the list or a game that never made it on our list that you think should have. Uh, any volunteers who want to go first? A game that I meant to put on the list but didn't get a chance to before it filled up. Um, I really want to shout out to Spec Ops The Line. Yes, dude. I was yeah, going to bring that it, up. You stole mine. I, okay. <laughs> sorry about that. No, you're good. But really kind of under the radar third-person shooter that came out a few years ago. And uh, it, it just... Honest, I'll boil it down to this. Like, I feel like playing that game gave me PTSD. Like, it just, I know um, that that's a horrible thing to say because I don't want to detract from real PTSD. But what I mean by what I mean though is like, it's such an exploration of like, you know, trauma that someone can, you know, come through in combat and it sort of deconstructs tropes of like someone trying to be a hero and just making things worse and some of the things that happen to the characters you feel them happen to you and you watch the characters like just unravel as human beings they lose their they lose their grip on themselves they lose their sanity mm-hmm. they kind of spiral and you watch it happen not just in cutscenes, but like in the gameplay right in th- right the gameplay mechanics like feed into that theme yeah like a main character will will like finish off an enemy in melee combat early in the game by doing something kind of quick and you know quick and efficient like a stamp on the throat but later he'll just beat him to death with his bare hands and it's like you just see him just getting closer and closer to the edge of madness and it's it's insane it's just a, such a yeah I, I love that you brought up that example like the game is just full of tiny subtleties like that yeah that you may or may not necessarily notice as your main character sort of descends into darkness and starts yeah. to lose his mind because war is brutal and murder is bad he he starts to do things that are much more chaotic and right uh, like the executions are a great example. Like the executions at the end of the game are brutal. Yeah, ruthless. like shoot a guy in the knee and then the head so that he dies screaming instead yeah. of just shooting him in the head in the first place. It's just, oh, it's it, so crazy. Honestly, like I'm not a big shooter fan, but that is that that game to me is the best shooter I've ever played because the story is incredible and it 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 just it explores something that I think a lot of shooters sort of pass over. And it it's the idea of like war is bad, right? Like we're all playing right. like call of duty and even halo to some extent. And we're just justifying it as like, Oh, those are the bad guys. Those are aliens. It's fine for us to just endlessly slaughter, you know, NPCs or bad guys that come across our screen. But like spec ops is the only shooter I've played that makes you question that and yeah. makes you realize that like, it's kind of, fucked up that you like your version of entertainment our version of entertainment is shooting virtual things that may or may not look like people yeah, uh, yeah incredible recommendation um, thank you lawrence what about you we went um, way over a minute so clearly not following that rule <laughs> sorry right. I'm, gonna totally take, fine. I'm gonna take my 30 minutes uh no um <laughs> i think there were two games that i've been like kind of mowing over but uh the i think the game that i want to talk about is probably Jedi Knights Academy. Damn, I love yes, that. Yes, yes, thank you. I loved that game. Um I, honestly, it was one of my favorite Star Wars games I've ever played where you're a Jedi um and you can do things and like kind of go down the path of the dark side. And I think my favorite part is just the decision in the game. Like you can choose to kill your friend who went to the dark side when he's asking for help and then you yourself like fall to the dark side or you can resist and actually help this person. And the cool thing is if you choose to go to the dark side, you literally have to fight every like dark force user and all of your friends in the Academy. And like the game would culminate with you, um, Lord, and then having to battle against your own master. Wow. Like it's such a good, it's such a good game. Yeah. I had that game and I never finished it. So Oh Maybe my I god! Go if, back and play it. If the Steam controllers or you know, the Steam controls were a little bit better, like I I have it on Steam, I would just keep playing it. But like the controls are so clunky now, yeah. Um, it's like not as enjoyable. But God, having it on the console, great. 
Yeah, that game's a classic. Kevin, what about you? I've been debating on three games right now. <laughs> I'll name them, but I think I know the one I'll choose. All right. Um, I've been debating on StarCraft, which obviously we will be having an episode on soon. Yes. Spoiler alert for Lore Party. Um, and Destiny. Although the, the reason why I put Destiny in my head was just because it's probably the game that I've played some of the most uh, ever in my life of but I'm not crazy about the storytelling methods. Um, but I would probably have to say Assassin's Creed 2, just because, hands down, that is my favorite Assassin's Creed game. It's the longest. It's got so much shit in it, and I love it. It's uh, not, and it's like, boy Ezio. It's not like I feel overwhelmed playing that. Like, so, like when I play Skyrim... I feel overwhelmed. There's like so much stuff to do. And I'm like, oh God, it's, it's like, you know, having too many projects at home that you got to work on and you're like overwhelmed. That's kind of how I feel um, when I play a game like so big like that. But like Assassin's Creed is just, just Assassin's Creed 2 is just so rich in character development and just storytelling. Like it really, it, it's, it doesn't feel linear. It doesn't feel like... I'm stuck. Like I still have freedom to do stuff, and it's just I like ex exploration, and it still kind of it still embraces the exploration. Like it, like the game itself is like we made. It's it's not like one of those games where it's like we made this massive map, but you're only gonna be able to hang out in like this little section. Like the game wants you to explore. It wants you to experience not just the story, but the time frame. Like it wants you to experience yeah, like that, that's what I was gonna everything say. That's if you going have on. any interest in history. Or, or in it, Renaissance yeah. Italy, like, you would love play Assassin's the Assassin's Creed. Creed games, right? Like, like the like the Codex itself in the game, gives oh, yeah. you like historical facts on monuments and real life historical characters, and many of the people you interact with throughout the series are real life historical people. Yeah, uh, and yeah, like history buffs, Assassin's Creed is the game for you. My wife is not a huge gamer, but like. She has a degree in history, archival studies and stuff, and she just watches me play Assassin's Creed sometimes just because she thinks it's really cool to like see that. And that's something that I think everybody can appreciate. Just like it's fairly relatable because it's actually, aside from the Assassins and Templar part, it, it's our own history. Do you know what I mean? For sure. Neil, what about you? So I think just because I had kind of jumped down the throat of saying like Breath of the Wild shouldn't be on this list. I think the one Zelda game that definitely should be is the Wind Waker. Because I found... So, when Breath of the Wild was coming out, everyone was just glued to their monitors during that E3 because we didn't care about what the story could possibly be. be. Sure, there was a bunch of speculation, this and that, but like we're genuinely like, okay, you have this open sandbox. What can you do with it? And everyone was constantly blown away with the possibilities. Uh, so, going back... And I've been really trying, like, to play a Zelda game post Breath of the Wild. It is tough because, as I stated earlier, I want to go to that thing. I want to go do what I want when I want. And the only thing really, like, that's like a big console Zelda that's scratching that itch is the Wind Waker. It's the one game where I can turn it on and be like, okay... I care about these characters. I care about the story. And imagine, you know, it's December 2002, and this is the follow-up to Ocarina of Time, still on the list of hands down the best game ever made across the board for a lot of people. So now you just have something that has to completely try to blow that out of the water. So they put it underwater. This is 100 years after in the timeline where you know, Link left because he went to go do Majora's Mask. So we're in this branch. Hyrule, as we know it, you know, as we find out later, is underwater. There's some Gorons floating out on this great sea here and there. What happened to the Zora people? Like, did they become the Rito? Is this a whole new thing? And it's just constantly in the back of your mind, like, okay, Ganondorf from this old world is back as well. Like he's looming over all this. Like it's just a lot of the past trying to catch up with you and you wondering what the implications of all these changes are while holding in the, uh, 
world building from Majora's Mask where you go and talk to these NPCs, you go to these remote areas, and it all just slowly adds itself up to get, adds the pieces and parts together. It's nice. the one Zelda game I think you, anyone can go back to and not have any gripes with it outside of, I mean, it still is a very linear game, but it's, it's close to perfect for me. Plus the name of your boat and the final scene are my two favorite things about that game. King of red lions. Oh yeah. Just like the wish to give them a future. That was like fucking dope. (laughs) I I just love, I beat that game like uh, 12 times is ridiculous. (laughs) Leo, what about you? What's your game? So, I, w- I would recommend everybody check out the full list because there are a lot of games that deserve to be mentioned and deserve to be celebrated. And oh, we yeah. made a long list and it's really cool. Um, I'm going to quickly shout out Bioshock. We have episodes that we really dive into some of the Bioshock like specific games. And those were breathtaking and incredible and life-changing for me. But I'm going to highlight the one that we we may never do on the show just because I think it deserves a shout out. And that's the game Journey. So there's oh. a um, the indie game journey. It was a three or four download. It was like twenty dollars. And for similar reasons to why I love Shadow of the Colossus, Journey accomplished everything that it sought out to accomplish perfectly. Like there's no aspect of the game that I feel any dissatisfaction with. And while the story and the plot and the world building is subtle and simple and straightforward, it's perfectly executed because you're not. Like, at no point do you wonder what you're supposed to be doing and not guiding you. They're just guiding you silently from 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 the sort of wings, right? Um, the other and thing the that, art direction, such a beautiful yeah. game. I mean, it won a bunch of awards, rightfully so, for its music and its art. Like every moment looked like a painting. So for uh, for my money, just because again, it's it's a simple story. It's one that is accomplished very carefully and very deliberately and i think it's pretty nice um i would wrap up with my one game i was deciding between a few of them as well and again these are on the rest of the list so please check out the rest of the list i wish we had had time to get to some of these um i was gonna say dragon age but i think we've already sort of touched on bioware and their golden age and i would say mass effect and dragon age origins was the golden age of bioware and both of them are i love both of them for very similar reasons and i played them around the same time the one game i will shout out that we didn't get to and we were about to get to it it was going to be our next batch is night in the woods because i recently played it upon recommendation from neil and many of the uh, other lord party team members here and wow the game just like struck me on so many levels the main character the game dealing with themes of like mental health and honestly these like very millennial issues of trying to figure out what to do with your life and especially moving back in with your parents like these are all things that i think as a young person right out of college which you know i still consider myself to be although i'm starting to grow old (laughs) I, i think I identified a lot with May. I identified a lot with that small town life that was represented in the game. The writing is incredible. Um, I think that's also another small indie game that was developed by a very, very small team that got big, rightfully so. And uh, it, it just, playing the game brought up these emotions that I honestly haven't felt since I was a teenager. And it, it just... I don't know. There was so much to identify with in the game. I thought the characters were beautifully written. I thought some of the story beats were incredibly emotional. And if you are somebody who grew up in a small town and eventually found yourself moving out of that small town for one reason or another, Night in the Woods can be boiled down to a group of friends who grew up in a small town together and is still stuck there and is just trying to get out. And I think that's something, if you are someone who left a small town at some point in your life, that you can identify so strongly with. So that would be the one game that I would shout out. Night in the Woods, pick it up, play it. Um, So this has been a blast. Thank you guys so much for 100 episodes. I hope you guys are all proud of the work we've put in over the past year. Uh, 100 episodes is no small feat. And uh, it's clear from our discussion over the past like hour, hour and a half here, that uh, 
we all definitely love geeking out about this shit. <laughs> That's and that true. some of us have very strong opinions about Overwatch. That's like the key takeaway <laughs> that I'm getting from the past hour is uh, never mention the word Overwatch around Lawrence ever again. No, I'll go to 11. <laughs> <an> 11. <laughs> So for the 100th time, that about wraps it up for this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening, and if you did, as always, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which really helps us grow the show. And as always, you can find Lore Party on Instagram and Twitter at Lore underscore Party. Thank you so much for 100 episodes, guys. Thank you so much for supporting us this far. We've had a blast creating the show, and we hope you've enjoyed listening to it. Here's to 100 more.